Tom Kissingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. FF Stompy here. I'm here with my friend Brian Har at Brian Har FF. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. Going real well. How you been? Well, um, I cut my thumb today with a pair of scissors, and I had to get stitches. So I'm not allowed to have scissors anymore, or I have to have those safety scissors that you get in kindergarten. <laughs> so that's fun. That was a fun thing. Nice. Nice. My daughter uses those. So if you need an extra pair, let me know. Yeah. By the way, when they tell you don't cut towards yourself, they mean it. Don't cut towards yourself because things like this happen. By the way, I feel kind of guilty all the time because James and Brian or James and, uh, and John always have a lot more energy, a lot more energetic intro. And I'm just like, what's up everybody. We're here talking about fantasy football. So, uh, I feel bad, but whatever. I'm not going to change who I am for you people. Well, get out of here. <laughs> anyway, so today we're going to talk about breakouts, potential breakouts, or guys that we feel are going to break out in 2020 at each position. Now, the premise uh, came from Brian and I knew we were going to be recording together last week. We had some sickness and scheduling conflicts that we didn't get out, so uh, we are back here today doing the what we had talked about wanted to talk about last week brian (laughs) when we were talking about what we wanted to talk about brian said i just want to know who your breakout next breakout qb is and if you don't know and this will be me taking a victory lap or patting myself on the back i have touted uh the mvp for the last two years at quarterback so patrick mahomes in 2018 and lamar jackson obviously in 2019 uh, so apparently I have gained the reputation that I speak when I speak about quarterbacks, you should listen to me. Now, I don't know if I deserve that reputation. I also, by the way, wrote that Dak would be a top five quarterback last season and a top five dynasty asset. And here we are. Um, so in, in, I guess the premise of our show, this show today came from that is let's take a look at some of these guys that, we think can break out in the 2020 season. And, and I, and I think generally, uh, and I think both of us are on the same page here. It's, it's not so obvious guys. And I think that's how I kind of made my quote unquote living in fantasy football is picking the guys that kind of are, uh, they're not super hot takey, but they're definitely not mainstream. This guy is going to break out. Um, and and that's how I like to do it. It's it being as a fantasy football analyst, you get all everybody and their mother knows people who are going to break out and their their names. 
but there it, it takes some actual analysis to look at some of these guys that perhaps people aren't are, are sleeping on or aren't aren't taking into consideration to be those breakouts and and that's how i approach this and i think that's how brian approaches this so without further ado i i'll actually let brian start here um we'll start at quarterback brian who is your breakout quarterback in 2020 yeah, so uh, I'm I'm gonna cop out a little bit here. So I did have I, I had a guy that I wrote down, um, and and then I definitely had targeted for this um, that is probably a little bit shocking, but um, but based on some things we've been hearing lately, uh, I might have to adjust a little bit. The guy that I was gonna throw out was Dwayne Haskins, um, and and so. I, I think in the minds of a lot of dynasty folks, Dwayne Haskins is is uh, not good. Um, and I think it has more to do with Dwayne Haskins wasn't really playing with a lot. Yes, Terry McLaren was there. He kind of broke out. But some of those other uh, younger assets, I mean, Darius Geis was hurt. Um, you know, Kelvin Harmon and those guys. I mean, you saw a little bit at the end of the season from him, but not a lot elsewhere. Some of the other receivers there uh, just – weren't weren't great and that offense as a whole you know they dealt with injuries on the offensive line again you know it was just a mess and I think Dwayne Haskins though now again obviously the injury happens in week nine I think um and you know so he's he's out of sight out of mind so nobody's nobody's thinking about him nobody's talking about him and of course now today we're getting you know combine we're right right in the middle of combine prime times about to start um and there's rumblings, right? Redskins are sitting at two. They're interviewing Tua. They're interviewing Justin Herbert, Burrow. They're interviewing these guys, right? So now it's a little bit of uncertainty. Well, are they going to go the route of the Arizona Cardinals and just keep drafting quarterbacks until they get one they feel comfortable with? I don't think so, personally. I don't know. Um, but but Dwayne Haskins over those last couple of games before his injury um, – a lot of improvement, completion percentage, a lot of improvement, um, yardage wise, uh, no, no turnovers in the, in the, in weeks eight and nine. Um, he actually, I mean, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, but three of those interceptions were in the first week of the season. So, you know, it, it wasn't, I don't think it was as bad as people maybe thought it was if he retains the job. So if they don't draft, a quarterback essentially with that first that first pick of theirs at, at number two. I think Dwayne Haskins has a chance to break out. Now, what are we talking about a breakout with him? You know, I mean, I think that's where that's where the question lies. Does it is I, I would say his breakout would be more. He shows some potential as a starting quarterback in this league. He's not breaking out like Kyler or like. LJ or anybody like that. I'm not calling for that by any means, but I do think he showed some things in those final couple of games before the injury that showed that he was improving. And that's what you want out of a rookie quarterback. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with that, assuming that he's going to hang on to that job and they're not going to draft a quarterback. Um, I was going to, I did prepare an, a, a second one and, and it was going to be Daniel Jones, but I think that's, that's going to be a guy that a lot of people have targeted. And to be completely honest, I mean, he's already, I think in, in Superflex ADP, he's already a quarterback one. So, or being drafted as that. So uh, how much more of a breakout can the guy have, you know? Um, so I'll go ahead and stick with Haskins there. Um, 
So, yeah, that's my quarterback. So I think the one thing that people need to understand is before last season, he had one starting season in college, and that was his junior season before he came out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's still building, and he's still learning as a quarterback. And then you go into what amounts to an abysmal offense in, in Washington. You lose your star running back once again. You, I mean, yes, AP's there, fine, but the offensive line has issues. You lost your Pro Bowl offensive lineman who didn't who didn't show up. You have a ton of rookie pass catchers. I mean, you had Kelvin Harmon, uh, you had Terry McLaurin, which I mean, I don't think anybody saw. Jordan Reed wasn't on the field, Chris Thompson wasn't on the field. Um, Vernon Davis, uh, fine, whatever. So it, there was just a lot of things working against Dwayne Haskins last season. And again, he's learning and he's not a mobile quarterback. So he's not a Kyler. He's not a Lamar Jackson that can use his feet to get out of trouble. He needs a good offensive line. And if he had his pro bowl left tackle there, uh, Trent, is it Trent Williamson? Mm -hmm. Williams. Williams. Uh, uh, Maybe it's better, but at the same time, like he still needs a pocket. He needs to be able to stand in the pocket and read the field. Um, if if he had landed in Oakland, I I might have felt a lot better about Dwayne Haskins last year, but he didn't. So, do they make the necessary improvements? Is the question. Do they make the necessary improvements on the offensive line? Um, do they make the necessary? Oh, and and we lest we forget, they also changed coaches in the middle of the season and right. changed coaching coaching philosophies in the middle of the season. Um so again that's another thing working against him. So they need to make the necessary changes for him to be successful, but I agree. Like in Superflex a, a breakout for Dwayne Haskins probably is a is he startable most of the season? Are you comfortable starting him as as a as a second QB most of the season? So, and and I think I think you brought up a good point here is we need to define breakout here a lot. Most people define breakout as for QBs you have to be a QB one, for running backs top twenty four, for wide receivers top twenty four, for tight ends little iffy top sixteen I'll say, but um, and yeah, so but. A lot of these guys aren't going to be traditional breakouts in fantasy football. You're going, and, and you have to kind of look at what their value is. Um, look at their ADPs. Like Dwayne Haskins likely is going bottom third of the league in terms of quarterbacks. I, I have to uh, look at this point. Um, but if he can give you, let's say, 10 to 12 starty, startable weeks and in Superflex, as like, and he's likely your QB three on most Superflex teams. I think that's that can be a breakout for Dwayne Haskins, especially with how down people were on him last season. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll put a drum roll in here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, um, but mine, and and I'm going to say this that there might be a little bit of bias involved here but 
because I am a Broncos fan, so that gives it away. I think the next breakout or second season breakout QB for me this season is Drew Locke. Um, and this one's for John Hogue, who just railed, absolutely railed against Drew Locke when he was picked um, on our when when we were on our live show. He hated Drew Locke coming out. He thinks John Elway's incompetent when it, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. Um, and I think Drew Locke proved a lot last season, especially because he went four and one um, in his five starts, completed 64% of his passes, which is gigantic for a rookie who, let's be realistic, had some accuracy issues um, in college. I mean, he has a huge arm, he has fantastic arm talent, but there were some accuracy issues, especially early on, but he got better over time. Um, he made some, he made some great throws. He made extreme strides last season. Um, he was the QB 18, the uh, fantasy QB 18 in the final five weeks, uh, had over a thousand yards and five starts with seven touchdowns, three interceptions, which tells you that he's actually making good decisions, which was another knock on, on Drew Locke. Uh, the Broncos have an offensive coaching change. They got rid of, uh, and now I just don't even care who his name is. Um, uh, the former San Francisco 49er quarterback coach and now former <laughs> Broncos offensive coordinator brought in Pat Shermer, who didn't have a lot of success in New York, but I don't think he was lined up for a lot of success in New York. Let's be real here. But um, as, as offenses go, Pat Shermer offenses have ranked in the top 10 in passing attempts in six of the, of the 12 seasons he as an offensive coordinator head coach and have ranked in the top half in 10 of those. So it's a good, good omen for drew lock coming in that he gets a, a coach who likes to throw the ball a little bit. Um, he also gets uh, Mike Shula, his, as a quarterback coach who was involved with, with Pat Shermer in Minnesota with the likes of Case Keenum and Sam Bradford. Bradford had his best season of his career. So did Keenum. Um, and then look at what Daniel Jones did last season under both Shermer and Mike Shula. I don't think anybody expected Daniel Jones to play as well as he did last season because that pick was critically – I mean, across the board panned. And Daniel Jones looked – fantastic at times last season and i think that you can give a lot of credit to pat Shermer and uh and mike shula and and again case keenum in 2017 may not have had those elite numbers but he had a fantastic season sam bradford 2017 had did not have those elite numbers but had fantastic season i would argue that drew Locke has more arm talent than any of the three that I just mentioned uh, has been compared to Patrick Mahomes. I don't agree with that, but he has that type of arm talent. Um, his decision-making and his reading the field looked fantastic last season, and that was a major knock on him last in, in college, and he looked like he took major strides. Now he does need to work on footwork and timing, um, but he has reached out to Peyton Manning to help him uh, this off season. And let's look at the, the skill positions around him. No fan 
looked great with Drew Locke. Cortland Sutton took a monster step last season. The Broncos have a ton of cap space. Oh, lest we, I also have to mention Deshaun Hamilton for my Penn State guy over here. I appreciate it. I was going to um, say something. <laughs> I mean, a great, great slot receiver. Uh, he's He may not be the best when it comes to fantasy football, mm-hmm. but he serves his role. And that's all you need. And then what the other, the one thing that the Broncos really need uh, this next season is somebody to stretch the field. Um, I like to, I, my, my favorite comparison for a Drew Locke led Denver Broncos team is the Detroit Lions. Matt Stafford, big arm, Kenny Galladay, the jump ball specialist, much like Cortland Sutton. Now you just need that Marvin Jones across from Kenny Galladay. And if they can get somebody like Robbie Anderson, um, we've been hearing a lot of uh, the guy out of Alabama, Ruggs. Oh, right. Henry Ruggs. Ruggs. Henry Ruggs III as as a field stretcher. But that's what they need. If they get that, the weapons around Drew Locke are fantastic for him to take that next step forward. And here's my official – this is me officially putting it out there now. I will write an article at some point about this. I believe Drew Locke will be a quarterback one this in in 2020, which is a I, I believe a huge step because he's not a running quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not gonna make this gigantic leap of he's gonna be a top five. But if Drew Locke steps into that QB fantasy QB one. Or I, he has the talent and the weapons around him to be a fantasy QB one next season. Yeah, currently the twenty first quarterback being drafted for February ADP. So yeah, that's I mean that's a that's a breakout worthy jump to 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 go up into the the uh, top twelve there. Yeah, I, and and stomp. I I mean I definitely can see this one too. And especially I think the thing that excites me the most about about Drew Locke is I mean he does have skill position players that complement his skill set and especially if they do get that field stretcher this reminds me of the i mean obviously i mean peyton manning's one of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever played the game but this reminds me of his broncos demarius thomas the big big physical wide receiver that could high point the ball was a red zone monster uh you know julius thomas the tight end you know um who was athletic and and you know, more of a receiver, a big receiver almost than than a tight a traditional tight end. And then Manny Sanders is the guy that they're missing, right? The guy that can go long, really good route runner, can turn people around and get wide open down the middle of the field. So, yeah, I, if they add that dimension, I really like this call. Um, and, and I think that it's one that, again, we could look back for a third straight season and and uh have your your breakout QB kind of hit and and um, now I won't I won't say rolling. that he will be an MVP. I, I that's that's going to be tough. I I never predicted MVP for Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. I just happened to pick those two and they became MVP. But yes, <laughs> I will be ecstatic as a Broncos fan if Drew Locke becomes a QB one in fantasy because I believe that means they are in the playoffs. Sure. All right, so we're moving on to running back there, Brian. Yeah, so running back, it's 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 funny. I'm gonna stick with the Washington Redskins here, and I think you know this this one for me is a pretty is pretty obvious. It just it all comes down to health with Darius Geis. Um, 
this I, I love this kid. I love this kid. And I, I just think with he he is a super talented runner. The 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 other question mark is catching the ball because we didn't see a ton of it in college. Um but this dude's a monster running the ball. And if he can stay healthy, he's gonna show it. I mean, I think 14 broken. I read on PFF at one point this offseason here that 14 broken tackles on 49 carries or something like that. And and just a monster uh you know yards after carry guy. Uh it's not he he's not getting taken down usually by the first guy that's especially if it's not a defensive lineman. So um I, I you know again for me I think it it's definitely the health. Geis is a guy that's easy, easy, easy to root for. Um just a high energy kid. Um and you know it's just it's the injuries these last two seasons that re- he's never really gotten off the ground as far as showing people what he can do at the national football league level. If you watched him in college, I mean, I think the the talent is pretty, pretty darn evident. Um, I mean, he was easily in that class, you know, outside of the quarterbacks, easily the second best asset. I, I thought coming into that Stompy's Stompy's making nice faces at me. Um, uh, it, for me, it was, and I know Nick Chubb was in that class too, uh, and I know he's your boy. So, um, but but I really, I really thought that Darius Geis coming into that season was clearly the one hundred and two behind Saquon Barkley um, in in non superflex leagues. Obviously, we're a superflex show, so uh, the quarterbacks were up there as well. But um, I, I really want this kid to succeed, and and I think if if they can get him going that's going to help my quarterback too <laughs> my quarterback pick here for the breakouts and Dwayne Haskins if he can if he can if they can get the running game going a little bit but it, it all comes back to health I mean with the wash with Washington it really all comes back to health you right I mean if 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 the line is healthy if Haskins is healthy if Geis is healthy I mean I think that that team can take a big step they're going to probably draft Chase Young too which is fantastic was what they should do um so we'll see what happens with this again i just i think he's he's a he's a tough kid to take down um you know from a fantasy perspective it's going to be interesting to see if chris is chris is chris thompson back this year or is he a free agent i thought he was he might have been restricted let me okay so so We'll have to keep an eye on that too. I mean, if he's back, he's obviously going to have a role in that offense as the pass catching back. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Ron Rivera uses them too. You know, this is a new coach, new new staff altogether. So we'll have to see how they decide to use these running backs. You know, maybe Geis shows enough in practice that he gets fed. Now he's obviously not Christian McCaffrey when it comes to catching the football. There's like three guys in the league that can do what what he does maybe um so you know from that standpoint i i don't i'm not expecting a huge jump but again the main thing is he's got to stay healthy so chris thompson is an unrestricted free agent um i i'll, I'll start with the where i think darius guys is underrated is his pass catching ability because he was an all-American slot receiver, all-American receiver in high school. I think something like that. I would have I mean somebody somebody can check me on that, but I believe he was an all-American receiver in high school. Um now 
I can't, I just cannot, I can't do it. Like those of you who are taking that chance. And I mean, he is going as the uh, running back 29 right now, which it's hard to agree with because, and, and this is DLF ADP, by the way, February, because he's going ahead of guys like Lev Bell, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram. Um, and there's those guys I feel a lot more comfortable with. Now, if he drops a little bit, sure, I will take that chance. The issue is it's three, it's three knee and major knee injuries in two seasons. Um, the ACL, obviously, uh, the torn meniscus uh, last season in week one. And then, uh, sorry, was it a torn meniscus? Now I, have to, uh, now I have to look. Yeah, I'm not sure what the – I thought it was – wasn't it a – no, yeah, MCL? it was a torn meniscus. Torn meniscus. It was a yeah, torn right. meniscus, and yep. then he sprained his MCL. Right. Now we, I, you'll you'll hear it ad ad nauseum from all analysts that the season after an ACL tear is rough with injuries. So this might be a post hype type of buy with Darius Geis, where we all have seen players struggle the season after ACL injuries. Now this kind of struggles a little rough to me, but it might, I mean, if you can get Darius guys for, let's say at this point, a, a second round pick in this draft in this 2020 rookie class, I would do, I, I think I would take that chance because if you look at that backfield, yes, you have Bryce love who really kind of an interesting ad at this point because of those injuries. So maybe you buy both of Bryce Love and Darius Geis to kind of cover your bases. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the that backfield, you have Adrian Peterson, who's old but still working, but he's not overly effective. If Darius Geis can show some life and stay healthy, like you said, we have seen the talent. He just needs to stay on the field. Right. So while I can't get behind the breakout part, I can get behind buying Darius Geis right now as a post-hype sleeper because he's not going to ca- uh, cost you much in draft capital because I believe everybody's basically given up on him at this point. All right, on to mine. Um, and I think this is where the traditional definition of breakout kind of doesn't apply. Um, but mine is Boston Scott. I loved Boston Scott coming out in 2018. Um, he's extremely dynamic. He's kind of like a Darren Sproles type. In fact, I believe Matt Waldman compared Boston to Scott to Darren Sproles. And then Boston Scott went to the Eagles where Darren Sproles was. Uh, Boston Scott did have a thousand yards rushing and 20 receptions in his final season in college. Uh, according to Zach Reed, friend of the show at tacit assassin 13, go listen to dynasty dummies. If you don't, because they have give out fantastic information, especially this time of year with it, when it comes to draft and prospects. But according to Zach, only 14 running backs of 85 running backs to have 30 more receptions in the NFL. And I believe this is since 2007 through eight. I can't remember the exact timeline, but oh, over a time period, but only 14 of 85 to have 30 or more receptions in the NFL had did not have tw- a 20 reception season in college. So that might be a little bit confusing, but basically 
if you have a 20 receptions season in college as a running back, you have a good shot at eclipsing 30 receptions in the NFL. And I just told you Boston Scott had 20 receptions in this final season in college. Uh, he was the RB seven in the last four weeks of the season. Um, kind of took over that I, Jordan Howard was injured. So he took over that Jordan Howard role who could catch a, a pass cat catcher pass catching Jordan Howard. Uh, he had 25 targets over those four games. Um, Jordan Howard is likely gone. He's an unrestricted free agent this season. There's no reason for the Eagles to give, to give him any money, especially with what Boston Scott showed. And Doug Peterson continues to use that running back by committee. I, I th- even when Miles Sanders was quote unquote breaking out last season, Jordan Howard was still getting significant touches. Boston Scott still got 25 targets and still got a handful of carries in every game. He averaged like 10 touches a game over those last four games. So with Boston Scott, I, I think we, we just we have to look at um, ADP here. And Boston Scott is going as the 55th running back off the board right now. Uh, at 178 overall, but I don't, that doesn't necessarily correspond. So hang with me real quick. Uh, he is going 176, which I don't want to do math, but it's well into the double digit rounds 12th, 13th, 4th, no, maybe 15th round. So you're not spending any semblance of draft capital on him, but with the indication that he can catch passes in the NFL, he he had was used by the Eagles in that role, a 50-plus target season plus another, let's just say, combined 750 total yards and like six touchdowns can get you top 36 running back. So he's going as a the 55th running back off the board. He's going as an RB5. I think his breakout can be the an RB3 this season, especially in that offense. Yeah, I like Boston Scott a lot here. I think you're right. I mean, Doug Peterson has shown it doesn't matter who the backs are there. He's going to use a committee. Um, and And like you said, I mean, Boston Scott showed that you know, not not only could he run the ball and run it effectively between the tackles, um, he was elusive. You know, but but he caught the ball really, really well out of the backfield too. And this is the one thing that you know, for when you're looking at Miles Sanders, I think this caps his upside a little bit because Scott can do a lot of the things that they drafted Miles to do. You know, and and so and they're going to use both of those guys now. The good news is they keep both guys fresh, but. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely can see this one again, like you said, where he's being drafted. I mean, RB 55, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think it's, it's pretty, I think it's, it's, it's a good call that, that he could definitely move up there. Now, the only reason he, he probably wouldn't is if they decided that, Hey, we put draft capital into Miles Sanders and we're going to run Miles Sanders and use him. You know, I don't see that happening again with Peterson's history uh of of loving the committee um you know i i don't see that happening uh but that would be the only thing that you know if if sanders just grabs the the job by the horns and and rolls you know that could potentially um you know keep him from 
from breaking out a little bit. But by the way, he, that, I think he the, was he was the twenty first ranked running back in fantasy points per opportunity, uh, and he had the eighth most defenders in the box. Wow. And he had a he was RB six in production premium. So his efficiency is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of big. I mean, according to his player page on uh, pro football, five, six, 203 pounds was BMI's like 31 plus. So he's durable. I, yeah. I mean, like I said, like, and like we talked about earlier, it doesn't necessarily have to be that traditional breakout, but when you're getting a jump in that two, kind of two spots, that value, and he becomes an RB3 and he's like your RB5 on your team. That's kind of a breakout. That's kind of, yeah. he becomes reliable at that point. All right. Yep. Just rolling on here. Let's get to, go to your wide receiver, Brian. Uh, yeah. So for my wide receiver, I have uh, Paris Campbell of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, this is a guy that I really, really, really liked coming out. Actually, I didn't really like coming out uh, and, and until and Zach, we're, we're giving Zach a lot of love on the show tonight, but Zach made me kind of take a second look at him um, and, and, and look at, at him a little bit differently. Um, I thought he was more in the gadget type player uh, watching him at Ohio State and kind of seeing the way that they manufactured some touches for him and whatnot. Um, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think that's the guy he is. Um, yes, he has an outstanding go route. Yes, he has blazing speed, but that's not all he can do. He's a good route runner. Um, you know, he, he obviously last year struggled with the injuries. Uh, I think he had like 18 catches on the year or something like that. Um, but second round pedigree, um, that offense needs playmakers. You know, T.Y. Hilton is, in my opinion, one a guy that has been underrated for almost his whole career. Um, but he's in his 30s now, and eventually, you know, his game was the speed. It's a similar game, to be honest. It's the speed game. Um, it's, you know, the the agility. His agility is fantastic. And and Hilton, or I mean, uh, Campbell, same way. I mean, that's his agility is just fantastic. So I think he's going to get a chance. He's extremely productive in the in the touches he had in the Ohio State offense um, in college. He was drafted, you know, in in dynasty rookie drafts. He was a first round pick almost exclusively um, in in those drafts last year. So I, I think he's a guy, you know, again, struggled with the injuries last year, but this offense needs playmakers. They're talking about bringing Phillip Rivers in there. I don't necessarily love that, uh, but it's also not Jacoby Brissett. Um, so, you know, I, I think Hilt or uh, Campbell, I'm sorry, I keep keep saying Hilton. Uh, I think Paris Campbell is a guy that has a chance to really, you know, and again, qualify breakout, right? I think he could have a season kind of like he probably should have had last year, you know, 60 some odd catches, eight, 900 yards and six, seven touchdowns, something like that. So um, it's not necessarily that traditional. Like I'm not necessarily expecting a top 24 season out of him, um, but I, I think he has a chance to you know, he's not again, he's another one of these guys because of the injury. He's not on people's radar. Nobody's talking about him. Nobody's talking about him right now. And I think he's a guy that you can really get some value on, um, you know, and, and he's going to show what he can do. I, I actually love this. Uh, he's one of my top three um, 
what second year wide receiver adds. If you don't know about the second year wide receiver trend right now, Peter Howard has done a study, um, but basically shows that of, of those who break out the highest percentage of breakouts for wide receivers occur in the second season, not a third. Now there are a lot of, there is are a significant percentage that do break out in the third season, but the second season is the highest and it's best to buy those wide receivers after a disappointing uh, rookie season. So guys like Nikhil Harry, Paris Campbell, um, I'm, I'm sure I, Oh, uh, Preston Williams, who didn't disappoint, but I'm sure is forgotten because of that ACL tear. And, and we saw it last season. DJ Chark had had a breakout this season. Cortland Sutton. DJ Moore had a basically a second breakout. Um, Michael Gallup had a breakout. Like you see this trend. And so you need to be buying these second year wide receivers. But Paris Campbell, back to Paris Campbell, basically allows Indianapolis Colts to move T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell around the, the um, formation because they can do a lot of the same things. Paris Campbell played in 39.3% of the slot snaps last season, which is which is great because slot receivers, fast slot receivers kind of are a cheat code of sorts for a lot of offenses. Um, he, he didn't have a great college breakout age, uh, but he did produce his final season. And final season production and peak season production are important factors in figuring out what wide receiver is going to break out. Um, as Brian mentioned, draft pedig- pedigree, second round draft capital. Draft capital is the number one indicator of any skill player breaking out in the NFL. The number one indicator, and it's not even close. Like you have to eliminate draft capital to actually see the underlying factors. So he's got a lot going for him. He had over a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns in his final college season. He has a second round draft capital. Devin Funchess was only there for one season. Are you really going to trust Chester Rogers and the other guy? I just forgot him. It doesn't matter. Cause I Pascal? Trust- was it Pascal? Yeah. Greg, uh, Greg Pascal. Are, are you, do you really think Paris Campbell isn't as talented as those two? And again, you aren't going to spend a ton of draft capital here. Um, Paris Campbell's going 164th right now. Um, and I that has to be probably 40-some, 50-some wide receivers. Uh, 60th wide receiver. So that tells you exactly how much capital you would need to spend to buy him. Uh, there's just it's – a, it's a win-win – I mean, there's there's a low risk, high reward scenario here where he breaks out, gets 800 plus yards, five plus touchdowns, and you bought him for a third round pick. So I love that. I love that pick. Um, my wide receiver, and you'll like this. This is for you, Brian. Awesome. Uh, Deontay Johnson. Uh, yes. Uh, had a decent rookie season despite atrocious QB play. I mean, atrocious. let's be real. Atro- a lot of people were on Mason Rudolph early and then he fell off the face of the planet. Um, just did not look good. Duck Hodges through ducks. That's why it was called duck Hodges, right? No, it's not. I know what world champion duck it's caller. A jo- it's a joke. <laughs> Relax people. 
So bad quarterback play. Yeah. By the way, which is why you should be buying Juju because Juju is still a top five dynasty wide receiver asset. And if you think don't think so, you're wrong. Thank you. Um, he led the team in targets and touchdowns. Now, Juju was injured, but still, as a rookie, led the team in targets and touchdowns. Pretty good as a rookie. Now, I, I believe it was only three touchdowns, so let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Um, and it, I believe it was 92 targets. Uh, only at a 64% catch rate, but but an 88.1 true true cat true per catch rate percentage which tells you exactly how bad the quarterback play was um and why we should all be ec- ecstatic that Ben is coming back and and has been seen throwing the ball <laughs> so be ecstatic for that but that true catch percent rate was ranked 16th among wide receivers he only had he had the 81st most the wide receiver 81 in terms of catchable percentage. Again, tells you exactly how bad the quarterback play was. So a lot of good things uh, looking up for, for Deontay Johnson last season and coming into his second season. Oh, by the way, second year wide receiver, he ranked, he was the wide receiver one in target separation, according to player profiler, which means he's open, get a good quarterback in there. He's going to get targets. And we know, like I said, Big Big Ben is back in 2020, and he's demonstrated the ability to sustain two top 24 wide receivers multiple times. Juju will be the wide receiver one coming back. He is, again, top five wide receiver in terms of dynasty in the NFL. I'm not going to say he's top five in terms of um, talent, whatever. In terms of fantasy football, he is a top five wide receiver in dynasty. But – that leaves a lot of targets to be had there. I mean, Vance, Mc, the tight end situation's garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, James Washington's fine, but he's more of a field stretcher than anything. Uh, so that leaves a significant amount of targets next year. So you get Deontay Johnson in a situation where he, he plays an outside receiver role, and he's not going to be Antonio Brown, but you give him 100-plus targets – and many more catchable targets, he's in for a fantastic second season. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I love it. It was uh, just, it was five touchdowns, it looks like. I I apologize. I, I... no, that's okay. Um, yeah, I, it was, it looks like five touchdowns. Yeah, look, here's, here's the thing about Johnson, too. I mean, he, he also, it might, you know what though? He scored one of those at least on a punt return, so that might have been in in there too. What I was looking at, but and 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 that's what I was going to say. So he's, I mean, he's an he's a really athletic kid. Um, he, you know, he he they used him in special teams when they needed a spark. That was the guy that they went to. Um, you know, watching watching the Steelers games. I mean, he was the guy that when they needed a play this year, um. That's who they were going to. So, uh, and and I, I love I love Johnson. I think you know he's another he's another guy that can do a lot of different things. Um, he's versatile, and uh, I think with Ben coming back, assuming health, of course, you know I, I think this guy's the limit for this kid too. This Juju and Johnson 
could end up being a a Brown and Juju type situation. Now, maybe not. I mean, look, that was a historic season. They were both over 1,400 yards and 105 catches or whatever. So I'm not saying that'll happen again, but like a kind of like a 1A, 1B type thing could really develop there, assuming half-decent quarterback play. Um, so it, I, I'm excited as a fan of that team for sure. Um, you know, uh, I'm excited about those two guys for sure. All right. And then final position here, tight end. Yeah. So, so this one is a, I'm going with a Penn State guy here, and it's Mike Gesicki. Um, so, Gesicki, I mean, we he blew up the combine two years ago. Uh, we saw what type of athletic freak he was. Um, he runs like a gazelle. I mean, he's a big kid, but he runs crazy fast, four five in the 40. Um, you know, the, the big thing about Gesicki coming out of school was his blocking. He could not block a I mean, he couldn't block me. Uh, he might he probably could have blocked me, but his blocking was left a lot to be desired. Um, and it showed in his rookie season because he wasn't on the field. He, he was only on the field like um, 41 percent of the snaps or something like that. Um, that increased dramatically this year up in the 63-ish percent range for snaps. Um, Gasicki finished, which this is crazy to me, he finishes a tight end 13 by less than a point to Greg Olson, or he would have been a tight end one this year. Um, he's a red zone monster. The kid can jump out of the building. Um, you know, he he's fast. He's got the the jumping ability um so he's a huge red zone threat week eight on tight end nine so um i i just think there's there's a lot of room still for him to grow he's a raw talented kid um that you know as he learns the game a little bit more i, I mean his athletic ability is there it's just he's got to learn to play tight end in the national football league and i think that's what he's doing in towards the end of the season you saw that um Quarterback is going to be interesting in Miami. I, you know, obviously Ryan, he, he did what he did last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think the plan is probably Ryan Fitzpatrick this year too, I would imagine. Um, you know, so unless of course they draft a quarterback, if it's Tua, I think it's still Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick. Uh, I think they'll probably sit him for a year, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. So depending on quarterback play, um, you know, that, that could, change things it doesn't worry me though i mean rookie quarterbacks what do they like to do when they get in trouble they throw the tight end and a running back so um it doesn't overly concern me if that does happen and if it doesn't happen and it's ryan fitzpatrick again we've already seen that he can produce with with fitzpatrick at quarterback so i like Gasicki here uh i like his athletic ability i like that they're using him more um and i think he has a chance to break into that you know top 10 tight ends uh and and maybe even hire I me mean, he has the athletic ability to to really jump up probably into the top six even uh at some point i don't know that it's going to be this year uh but i think you start to see that a little bit more this year yeah i mean it's Tight end from basically, if you don't have those top two tight ends, I'm not paying for tight end. Um, and Gesicki has a fantastic chance at being a tight end one. Like you said, tight end. I have tight end seven from week eight on. He let he was seventh in 
targets among tight ends this season. So I, there's no reason he can't take that next step, especially if he gets continues to get more playing time, which is what we're seeing. So I, I love that. I think Mike Gusecki actually here, he's taught from week eight on, he was third in tight end targets, tied for third in the tight end targets. So, I mean, they need as much help as they can get in terms of pass catchers. Uh, so I don't, Gusecki is a should you should be buying Gusecki right now. I, I love Gusecki as a buy right now. All right. So my, uh, and, and our final player on this list, uh, is Johnny Smith, uh, showed some flashes last season. Uh, but he was the tight end 13 from week seven on. So basically after Delaney Walker got hurt, was a tight end 13, um, Delaney Walker is a likely cut candidate and I need to look up his um, contract, but I believe they are, they don't have a lot of dead cap. Um, yeah. Dead cap is 1.6 million to his cap hit of 8 million. So, I mean, he, he's been injured the last two seasons. Jonu Smith, like I said, showed flashes last season. I, I don't see well, that there is any reason, especially with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill both being free agents, why they would keep $8 million on the books with Delaney Walker. Uh, So that's obviously a huge indicator that Johnny Smith is going to get a chance to play. Um, But he seemed to be kind of a go-to for for Tannehill, and, and that's why I use that week seven number. Week seven on was when Tannehill was the starting quarterback. And he had four more targets in one, two, three, four, five, six games from week seven on. So he, he got a ton of targets for on a team that didn't throw the ball very often. He showed his athleticism too. He's so fast. <laughs> and and he can create just speed down the seams for days. Um Another good indicator that that Johnny Smith is on the verge of a breakout. 40% of all tight end breakouts in the top five, so they finish in the top five, happen between the ages of 24 and 26. Johnny Smith is 25 years old. Uh, More tight ends break out in the top 12 after the age of 27 than before the age of 24. Uh, And the highest percentage of those occur at the age of 25. So he's in a prime year where he is – where most tight ends break into the top 12 and in a, in a range of age where most tight ends break into the top five. Now I'm not saying he's going to be a top five, but like I said, from basically tight end three to tight end, we'll say 15, it's kind of just a muddled mess. There's, there's large, there's a large cliff after, after Kelsey and Kittle and then any tight end can, can, um, jump into the com- tight end one conversation right there. And if we look at the situation in Tennessee, Corey Davis has been a disappointment. Basically, the only reliable pass catcher right now is A.J. Brown. They need another reliable pass catcher. Tannehill seemed like he was leaning on Jonu Smith, especially in that second half of the season. You have a lot of things lining up for Jonu Smith this season to break into that top 12 at the very least. Yeah, I, I love Jonu. This is a guy that, 
you know, I think a lot of us were kind of on a few years ago when, when he first entered the league. Um, but then, yeah, the, the, the Delaney Walker experience happens. Um, John who's dealing with injuries comes back. I mean, Walker played really well, kept him off the field. So, I mean, and, and like you said, with tight ends, typically it takes a few years. So he's, he's been behind a, a, a really, really good player at the position. Um, he's had a chance to sit and learn that offense. He has a capable quarterback finally. Right. So, um, more I love than capable, better than Aaron Rodgers. So, so <laughs> I will say capable <laughs> because, because I still want to be here next week. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, but, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I agree with that hundred percent that, that, I mean, Tannehill was a good quarterback this year. He played really well. Um, and he made all of those guys better, you know? So, um, I, I think, I think this is a good one. I like Janu a lot, um, and and I have a lot of shares, so I'm really happy to hear that uh, that you like him too. Yes, sir. And that will end it for us here. Those are our breakouts, mine and Brian's breakouts for 2020. Uh, I don't know how we end these shows anymore, so... Special thanks to Heart and Soul Radio for their song, The Addiction. And special thanks to the Dynasty League Football, the Dynasty League Football Family Podcast and the entire DLF staff for the ongoing support. Follow and send questions and trade posts for the podcast on Twitter at Superflex Show. Also, if you can, go give us a uh, subscription, a rating, and a review because it allows us to see what you guys want to hear from us as well as get the word out about the podcast so we can get more listeners. You can follow Brian Hart at Brian Hart FF. You can follow me at FF Stompy. And don't forget to stay sexy and super flexy. Thanks, everybody.